This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, it's Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Max. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm, I'm making it through the pandemic blues, but okay. <laughs> I'm good. Who yeah, do we have okay, today yeah. on the pod? Yeah. Okay, we have uh, Guillaume de Calam today. Uh, welcome to the 3D Pod, Guillaume. Hi. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, Guillaume is the CEO of Nanoe, or Nano, uh, N-A-N-O-E, uh, uh, and that's a kind of interesting company, and, and uh, it's kind of like there's this, this this bastard stepchild of 3D printing materials, and it's called ceramics. And <laughs> we don't we don't use ceramics as often. Like there's not a lot of ceramics engineers, let's say. There's not a lot of people around with a lot of ceramics knowledge, and there's not a lot of ceramics knowledge at designers or mechanical engineers compared to like metallurgy or polymers. So ceramics are kind of like a material of last resort, and they're super hard and uh, super inert and uh, they can be used in, in lots of chem- really, really high temperature or high chemical applications or, or, or chemical uh, applications with a lot of chemicals in them. So they're really very, very exciting, very interesting materials, but not a lot of people know how to deal with them. So it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that we don't use ceramics because we don't understand them, because we don't understand them, we don't use them. And one person wanting to change that is Guillaume, uh, because he's trying to do, well, essentially it's kind of a similar to the bound metal or binder jet type of processes. I'm trying to do a very accessible ceramics 3D printing technology. And I'm very excited by ceramics. I'm very excited by his company. So, uh, yeah, so tell me a little bit uh, about, or tell us a little bit about uh, Nanoway, uh, Guillaume. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for the introduction. You, you've actually said everything. So, I okay, okay, gonna... okay, <laughs> all right, so quick it's all done. Right. Right. <laughs> 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 um, I uh, no, just a few words about uh, the company. Uh, Nanoe is a company I created uh, 13 years ago with uh, uh, one associate, which is also called Guillaume. Um, and uh, when we founded the company, uh, our primary uh, goal was to manufacture uh, high-tech ceramic raw materials. So we provide materials uh, to produce uh, what we call industrial or technical ceramics. That goes into aerospace, uh, medical, uh, semiconductors, any industry where you look for the property you mentioned, uh, Travis, uh, uh, chemical inertia, high temperature, uh, wear resistance, uh, that kind of thing. So the company has been active for 13 years and for more than 10 years we were mainly focused on uh, industrial uh, traditional process for making ceramics, uh, mainly two which are uh, uh, pressing and uh, what's called ceramic injection molding. Um, and 3D printing is something uh, relatively new for the company. We started that in 2018, which means basically we're not a 3D printing company or a 3D printing startup, we're a material company. And we go to additive manufacturing with our, our know-how and our portfolio of product uh, from a traditional process. And what we developed in, in additive manufacturing is very similar to what we call ceramic molding. We developed uh, filaments, which are, uh, to make it simple, a mix of plastic binders and uh, ceramic powder uh, that can be printed on any FDM printer, and then you need a post-process where you will remove the plastic uh, part of the uh, of the equation and get 
uh, a final dense ceramic part. Uh, so that's what we're bringing to the market. Uh, there's a lot more to it afterwards, but that's really the initial offer is this line of filament, mainly for ceramic, but we also started making metals uh, a bit more recently in 2019. Just for clarity, you're saying that you print like a, a plastic support structure or it's like all the ceramics actually encased no, in... it's actually the, well, Joris, uh, you mentioned the bond metal deposition. It's exactly the same technology. It's a, okay. te a technology where the, 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 the plastic and the powder is completely mixed and the binder is basically just a carrier so that you can shape your part and then you remove it. But it's really a, a mix, a homogeneous mix of uh, binder and powder. And do you need to like cook or, you know, put it in a kiln? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Yes. That's exactly it. So the, the, the process is a two-step process. You print and then you debine and sinter to get a dense material. So you go to quite high temperature uh, so that you really densify the part and, and get to a final ceramic or metal part. So why is no one doing this? <laughs> that's, the, that's the next question. I think, I think, so first of all, I think, I think it's a setup. What do you need? So any printer, that sounds very good. I mean, I go, I can go like, I go on whatever Ultimaker or Ultimaker yeah. now is going to be difficult, but the older ones I have, and, and then I can do this, but the debining and sintering, I'm going to need some extra equipment, right? So I need Absolutely. like a Nabra term oven or something, or what do I need? Right. So there's a few things that, that makes this technology not as easy as you may think. Uh, the first thing is you do need some, some additional setups. Uh, that's one of the things. Uh, if you want to sinter the ceramic, you need a high temperature furnace, quite high temperatures, uh, going to 1,500 degrees Celsius typically. Uh, you will probably need a bit of chemistry also around it. So that's an investment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to do metal, you also add the fact that you need a neutral gas atmosphere, which also adds some setups. All of this is the first thing that stops people from doing it. The second thing you mentioned is uh, uh, no one knows about technical ceramics. It's, a, it's very uh, a specialist material and, and uh, we need to get it known and to uh, let people know that it's possible to print ceramic with such a technology. For the moment, most people don't know and, and mm -hmm. we're very of course. Then there's a third thing, which is that it still remains a complex technology. All of this synthesis-based technology for metal and ceramic, this is really still a relatively complex technology where you need to learn about what is sintering exactly, what happens when you sinter. Uh, the first thing that happens is your part is actually going to shrink during sintering. And ideally it shrinks perfectly homogeneously so that you don't have any problem. <laughs> but we, we're in real life and not uh, in our dream life. So actually what happens is that sometimes you may have uh, uh, inhomogeneous shrinking or deformation. And again, this is true for any sintering-based technology, which means even though we're really trying to make the technology more accessible, easier to use, more affordable, we still feel it's, it's for professional audience. It's not for end makers, just because that there's a lot of complexity. I'm not saying there's not some makers who couldn't do this. Uh, I'm sure there are right. some. I'm sure there are some, and some people are very resourceful, but still, this is a technology which is more aimed to professionals who really need uh, to print ceramics because they have that, that specific need. Again, know that we are also offering uh, metal, really print to, really need to print metal. Yeah. And I think that's a good point that you make about the, the shrinkage, because it's like, yeah. 
it's not uniform. It's different for every wall thickness as well, or different for every geometry, perhaps. So I think I think it also like it also when I hear about the metal binder jet, I'm always like, wait a minute, guys. It means if I qualify a part, if I test it, then maybe I'll print it again and again. Maybe, as I, and I'm qualifying that again, but maybe. maybe. But um, but you know, there there's a path to get there. I mean, it isn't like the first time your part is not going to work. Literally, it won't work. So so is are there steps that I, you know? It, it does depend on what you're printing. For some, for some critical parts you write, you really need some iteration. But you also have a lot of application in additive manufacturing where you're not necessarily looking for uh, the perfect accuracy. I'm not saying some, something ridiculous, but mm -hmm. you, you, you can live with a reasonable accuracy. And in that case, you can have the first, the first part, part a good part. It's possible. Uh, but it's just that uh, uh, people need to understand that, yeah, not everything is possible with that technology. There's a lot of limitations which are linked mm -hmm. to sintering than to actually the printing part. Printing is easy, but sintering is really something else. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And are there also limitations like the wall thickness or stuff like that? And, and those kinds right. of things that differ from material stuff? Or? No, no, you're right. There's also some limitation with uh, wall thickness. Again, that's something quite common to a lot of sintering technology, but especially uh, FDM-based uh, technologies for ceramic and metal, well, to be able to print, you actually have quite a lot of binder in it. And when uh, you do the binding, you need to remove it. And if the part is too thick, you have a risk of deformation of cracks happening during this stage. So there's always a limit, which is typically usually in the range of five millimeter to one centimeter. That's the maximum dense wall thickness you'll usually reach with that kind of technology. Mm -hmm. But the good thing with FDM is that you can also use infill so that if you need a bigger part, well, you just print it mm -hmm. with some, uh, some infill inside. That's right. And, and so just, just about like how much would I need? Like what was my investment be? Like a minimum investment, some minimum mm -hmm. viable investment to get started with this? So what do you need to get started? You need a printer that's easy. Most people will have one. If they don't have one, you can really use any desktop printer. So that's, that's not a major part. Then you need a furnace, and that's going to be the biggest part of the investment. We actually found out that it was difficult to find a furnace that was perfectly fitted to what we wanted to do. We wanted to be able in the same furnace to make ceramic and metal parts. We wanted to be able to uh, have something which was relatively desktop. So we actually decided to launch our own furnace, uh, which we offer with the filaments. And the starting price for that kind of furnace is in the range of 7,000 euros, which makes the total price for printer debinding and sintering around 10,000. And then you certainly need to think about setups. You'll need uh, electricity, uh, you'll need some gas if you want to do metal, uh, you'll need some ventilation. Uh, all of this is going to add some more cost. So I would say the minimum ticket is probably in the range of 15,000 uh, dollars or euros to get started. What temperatures do you need to hit for that? But the Sorry, what, what temperatures do the furnace need to hit for, uh, for the ceramic? Uh, the the highest one we have is aluminites fifteen fifty, uh, so one thousand five hundred degree, sorry one thousand five hundred and fifty degrees Celsius. Yeah. yeah, but that also but but that predisposes you do need especially for I think you do need the industrial HVAC right you do need like you can't do this in like an office right or can you or <laughs> yeah you absolutely when I mentioned ventilation that's what I meant I'm sorry my okay yeah, yeah. no I'm just uh, that's exactly what I meant. I meant. There are people. There are people that that are like, okay, I'll use <laughs> you know, a fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. No, that's yeah. one of the things we, we keep saying. We want to make it yeah. as desktop as possible, 
But, well, we need to be reasonable about this. I mean, it's not something yeah. you put just close to your, your desk. No, you're actually going to put it more into a lab uh, kind of setup yeah. than a real uh, office. Yeah. So when you guys are democratizing it, you're democratizing it for like the R&D lab at Ford or the, the, you know, the, <laughs> the, your local university or something, right? So what we, what we see in terms of application is uh, uh, really related to what we say. So the technology is very easy to use. It's very affordable, but you have this limitation which are linked to sintering and shrinkage, uh, which means on a first go, uh, on a first attempt, you may not have the perfect precision and resolution and so on. Uh, which really points in a few directions. The first one we really see very strongly is uh, some tooling application, and that goes in industry and laboratories uh, both. I mean, uh, uh, any kind of on-demand parts but are, that you are going to use internally, uh, which mean laboratories, of course, uh, uh, but which can also mean industrial companies but who are not going to actually manufacture final product with them, with the technology, but who are going to manufacture parts that can help them in their own process. And that's something we see a lot. Who, is, uh, who do you see using this currently? Like, who is um, your customer base on the, on the 3D, on the additive side? Yeah, I know you guys have, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the additive. Um, uh, there's a few uh, big spots. The first one is uh, universities, uh, both for labs and also a bit for education. That's, that's a strong thing. Uh, and laboratories, we see a lot of people who are actually using it to print uh, uh, what we call environmental uh, stuff, so setups for the experiments they are doing. So that hmm. not, it's not actually the heart of the experiment, it's more, more like a sample holder that needs to go to 1200 degrees Celsius or right. a, a part that is needed but with uh, something around the experiment. That's something we see a lot, so universities and education. Uh, we do see an industrial uh, base. Uh, for ceramic, we see a lot of industrial customers in uh, heat, and heat intensive industries. So, uh, foundry, uh, uh, glass making, um, uh, any kind of heat treatment uh, industries, uh, welding, any industry where you have high temperatures, you'll need some tools uh, which are going to be exposed to very intense heat, and, and that technology is really perfect for that. And it's also it's also lighter, right? So it's also significantly lighter than a lot of things. Do you see a lot of like applications in transport and stuff, or, or is that not not really happening? So it's it's happening, but it's a longer term. We also see a lot of things in aerospace in uh, space. Uh, so we have customers who are uh, working on it, who are qualifying parts, who are making R and D. But obviously, once you you want to launch a part that's going to go in space, you need a very long qualification time. There are a few times where really we, we can help and the technology is well suited, uh, but I would uh, be careful about this. I would say in most cases, if you really need to print the critical part, it's very high strength. I'm not sure FDM is actually the one technology for that. Uh, we're more gonna look for application where you need um, uh, stuff that are simple for ceramics. So uh, high temperature, um, wear resistance, uh, this is places where we're very comfortable. If you have very intense uh, application where the part is quite critical, uh, we're moving carefully in that direction. I think, uh, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's nice that you qualify everything so well. You're almost, you're being <laughs> super mega realistic and stuff. But, <laughs> so I you know, love but, that, rather than selling it, you know? <laughs> you know, there's, there's one thing which is, um, at Nano we're a material company. So we have that technology, FDM, we're very happy about it. 
but we're also working with OEMs and with other players on different technologies. So we, we see the pros and cons of each technology. And uh, I don't know if a customer wants to print ceramic and he thinks about a very high precision, we're going to tell him, well, you should go for SLA, but no problem, we can also supply that. Uh, we at least supply the raw material for SLA. And if it's metal, it's a bit different, uh, probably go to uh, another melting, and again, maybe we can help. Uh, the fact that we're a material company, uh, it puts us a bit outside of this game between technologies. Uh, I think we're a bit more uh, objective about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yep. And, but, but, and what do you, what do you, let's say I'm a lab or I'm an institution, I, I, I'm not a ceramics person. Okay, we, we've got the budget, we've got like the 20,000 or something to get started with this. How do I get started? I mean, is there like a starter material that's like the, the, the easiest one to work with? Or is there like yeah. some recommendations you, you would do for that kind of person? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is, uh, if, a, if a customer is thinking about metal and ceramic, we'll strongly advise to start with ceramic because it's actually an easier material to, to print and sinter. Especially, you don't need any gas, so that makes it really uh, a, a much more simple setup and environment. And the second thing, in the materials, you have uh, especially one material, which is called zirconia, which is uh, quite an amazing uh, ceramic material, which is really multi-purpose. It can do almost everything in, in the market uh, for, for technical ceramics, so usually customers start, start with that. I would add one thing is if a lab wants to get started before asking about materials, before asking about the technology, the, the real question, the important question is uh, what is the application? And uh, um, I keep meeting a lot of people who are very, very much uh, technology centered, a bit too much, honestly. Uh, <laughs> we need to think about what we're bringing to the market and what we're bringing is new applications, new way of doing things. And, mm -hmm. Always people come to me saying, yeah, I want to do Zikonia. And my first question is, what's the application? And that's really what's going to dictate which material, which technology, and so on. So what is the application? And uh, uh, it's hard to, to, to give a general rule for all sorts of applications. No, it's good. It's okay. good to like kind of scope a little bit of best practice kind of stuff. Is it easy then? Would it be easier to start? Like, cause like what we see in other, other printing technologies that people are really easy, like, and they want to try lots and lots of different things in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> and they should be really doing the, the same thing all over again in the beginning. Is it similar with you guys where you just say, Hey, dial in your process. And then, and then that's how we, 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 we approach this application or. There's, there's certainly a learning curve keep saying, yeah, uh, ceramic and metal IPM is the most simple, the easiest technology, also the most affordable, but it's still a technology where there is a learning curve. So um, what we're gonna say to the customer is more in the range of, uh, you should start small, you should start with simple application. When I say small, it's not only a question of size of the part, even though that matters, but also you should start with an application where it's simple, where you know that even if you don't have a perfect resolution that will still be acceptable. There's something where you don't have too much mechanical stress and so on. And then when you learn about the technology, you can print bigger, more complex parts. That's, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, the first thing is always uh, when you set up, you definitely need some training. It's not a technology that, that we sell online. That, that's not how it works. Uh, a customer who buys some materials uh, and, and especially if you buy the furnace and, and potentially a food setup, uh, uh, he needs a training. And that's something we, uh, we're starting to rely on our resellers to do that. But that's 
of creating I think it's interesting also that there's like, I know that of the 3D printing services for ceramic, and I know that there should be somebody that has XJet in a service environment. I can't think of them right now. But of the, I know Steinbach does it right. They do it, and they've been doing it for right. a long time. Right. And so then Formatech, Formatech does it as well, right? It's a bit of both because they actually also manufacturing the, the printers, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they make the admin tech printer. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the slurry SLA one, yeah, mm -hmm. or the other other one, because the hollow AM is also slurry SLA. I think it's different. But anyway, but but those are the two services I know, and and that's kind of weird that that service thing hasn't been developed as much as I think is. Uh, do you have any reason why, or is that is the reason why you guys don't do this or are going to? Or we're doing a bit of services when when needed, usually for demonstration purposes. But we feel it's not our place, and we have a few customers who are starting to. Uh, Develop services using our technology. So that's uh, that's really what we are looking for. We, we prefer to push these guys than do it ourselves. In France, we have two uh, customers who are uh, creating uh, service bureaus based on ceramic. I think it's going to grow, but the reason there's not so much is also because again, ceramic is not a very well-known material. It's a bit uh, uh, behind in terms of. Uh, technological maturity uh, for additive manufacturing. Uh, the, the technology has been uh, here for less time. There's less diversity also. If you think metal AM, you have probably 10 different technologies you can use to print metal. For ceramic, you basically have one, two now that we're here. But before that, for technical ceramics, at least for uh, mm -hmm. um, aluminum you had SLA or SLA. Mm -hmm. And now you have SLA and ITM, but it's still, uh, I mean, I think it would be good for the market if some new players comes in with different technologies. And, yeah, uh, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, totally, totally. And what's it like? Because I, I think a lot of people still think of this killer app idea, and I, I've been trying to think more of this gateway drug kind of idea, <laughs> where we see like jigs and fixtures is the gateway drug yes. in manufacturing, right? Right. Because. Yes. It lets you in an unregulated way kind of start up. I'm, I'm trying to come up with more of these, and I thought I've come up with a new one, I think, is Pokayoke. Is it also a gateway drug to manufacturing, potentially, but it's not really being used, but I kind of saw some examples of it. Complete, I completely agree with you, and I, I like the image. I'm going to steal it and reuse it if you're fine with that. Oh, no, sure, uh, sure, sure. There's an article uh, coming out of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for us, the gateway is installing, and I think it depends on technologies, however, but mm -hmm. for us, really, uh, the, the gateway is tooling because uh, that really makes sense with that technology, with FTM. It's yeah. something that fits really well yeah. for it. And yeah. it's, it's easy to get in because uh, yeah. um, the customers is not going to ask about how does the part looks like, do we have perfect uh, tolerances, or whatever. He's just going to ask, does it work? I put it on the machine, uh, I, I print what I need, does it work? And that's, that's a lot more simple, I think. Uh, and also ceramic for tooling is really a very interesting material because it's very heat resistant, it's wear resistant, so it can last very long. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very hard material and yeah. that really makes it a good fit. So for us, the gateway is clearly, clearly uh, tooling. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's the only application, which is why I like your image. It's, there may be some other, other stuff afterwards, uh, but uh, but the gateway is one. I think it may be different for other yeah. applications. For instance, SLA, you have a few, let's say, uh, SLA ceramic, I mean. Yeah. There's a few killer apps, as you say, that has really been pushed by all the players. I'm thinking, for instance, of uh, uh, Foundry Calls, which is 
a really, really great application for ceramic additive manufacturing and has been pushed a lot by the, uh, the players. I think that uh, the SLA uh, manufacturers, they're a bit less on the tooling part. That might, might be wrong. I think it's not really for this technology. When you say uh, tooling, you mean like injection tooling? That's, that could be one, but you have all sorts of things. Uh, we have some uh, uh, customers who are making heating uh, uh, element holders, uh, gas blowers, burners. We have some customers printing uh, extrusion dies uh, in ceramic because uh, the ceramics are very well resistant, so it's going to last Got it. long. Uh, really, any kind of... Um, I'm being quite general when I say tool. tool yeah. You could say jigs, fixtures, tools any kind of internal use of the technology. So I'm not selling a product that is 3D printed. I'm 3D printing a tool or a part that is going to help me manufacture my products in a better way. Um, but I'm not going to print the final product. Right. No, no, I get that. And then, I mean, you mentioned like there's variance in the, like the shrinkage as a result mm -hmm. of centering the material. Um, is there a way to... If you're doing, pretend for a moment we're doing like an injection tool, is there a level of accuracy that you can expect or do you have to work in that your tool is going to be a little inaccurate on some level? If you're making an injection molding tool, you can't accept any, uh, any kind of in inaccuracy. You'll need a perfect... Right, the, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> honestly, that's as simple as that. So um, in that case, we're more talking about how many iterations you're going to need to get to the perfect path. Will you need some post-process? Will you need some post-machining or whatever? But, but, but in the end, if your path is not perfect, it's not, not suitable for that application. There are other applications where you can live with it. In terms of accuracy, because I guess that was the question behind that, uh, uh, we usually say that with a finely, finely tuned process, you can get with this process, which are based on sintering, you can get to accuracies of plus minus 0.1. That's really the best you'll get. So if you need a micro precision, anyway, you're going to do some machine. You can do something else. Yeah. You're going to do some polishing, machining, whatever, to get to the final uh, uh, tolerances, which for ceramic is a bit of a problem because machining ceramic is really very difficult. Right, because you'll crack. Right, 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 right. <laughs> because they're very hard, so you need time. Yeah, things, you, need, uh, uh, you need specific equipment. It's, it's, uh, and so you can't you can't spark erode it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and and so these uh, the, the, what, tell us a little bit more of these materials. So zirconium is king, right? And I. Uh, but what, what characterizes yeah. these materials? What are the most popular ones? Because we, we don't know. So if we talk about technical ceramics, honestly, you do two materials, you have 90% uh, of the market. The two materials are alumina and zirconia. That's the two we're offering. Um, uh, zirconia is a very tough uh, ceramic for a ceramic. If you compare it to metal, it's another story. But for, for a ceramic, it's uh, a very tough material which means uh, it can withstand uh, some reasonable amount of shock, which is usually the problem with ceramic. Uh, it's very well resistant, it's chemically inert. The one thing it don't have is very high temperature resistance. And when we need to go to really high temperature, I'm talking uh, 1,500 degrees Celsius or more, uh, we use the second material, which is alumina. Alumina is gonna be used for heat resistance, uh, electrical resistance also, 
Um, it's also very good for wear resistance, but both materials are, are so uh, you can pick whatever. Uh, it has quite a good heat conductivity, which is useful in some cases, and, and that's it. And then if you can't use ceramic, this is the way we do it is when we, have, we see a new application, we start by trying with ceramic. If we can't use ceramic, then we're going to switch to metals. And in metal, mm -hmm. we, we offer tool steel and stainless steel, depending on the application. Mm -hmm. I, I have a question. Why aren't we making like FDM nozzles out of ceramics? Yeah, I was just excited. It seems, that, like, so. it, seems like the, it seems like the ideal material, right? Uh, some people are trying, actually. Uh, I can uh, tell you. Uh, some people yeah. are trying. You will need to pick the right uh, uh, material because uh, there's a question about heat connectivity. Uh, so you would probably go for alumina. Um, and there's a question of cost, to be honest, because when you see what is the cost of a brass nozzle, and <laughs> mm -hmm. switching to ceramic would not be the same story. So for the moment, no one has done it, uh, but I know there's some trials with hard materials, which could be ceramic or uh, ceramic metal uh, composites. There's, there's actually, sorry, I have to interrupt, but there are actually millions of ceramic nozzles already out in the world that are being used on 3D pens. Yeah. Ah, you yeah. use them. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. so it's only totally doable. It's only totally doable. It's so it is doable. Like, yeah. Why don't you make nozzles, man? I want to buy, I want a nozzle. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I think it'd be ideal. And if it would just, like, the idea for me would be that the, they would just clog less, maybe. And the wear of, like, if I'm printing, like, these things, like, these filled materials, like, I, you know, you toss these nozzles like crazy. It's like a nozzle yeah. spool, right? Right. So, and, and, I, and I'm not, you know, I, I know that some people are innovating, but I'm not necessarily completely happy with the, those kind of nozzles at the moment. So I, I tried to get one made out of diamond, which I thought was just super cool. And also there's this rubies material, which I think you guys, Ruby, yeah. I also, yeah, which you guys also have, right? But not for 3D printing, right? Yeah, correct. We, we offer some materials for Ruby, what we call polycrystalline Ruby, yeah. Um, uh, so the answer to why we are not doing this is, again, uh, we're a material company. Any, anybody right, needs to stop. And I think, I think that's a cool idea, honestly, but I, I don't think that's our role to do it. All right, but it just, it just came out of my mind. I was like, wait, we, why don't we do this? It's kind of a bit weird. That, that's, okay. that's an interesting idea, but uh, honestly, the most simple way to do it is to do what has been done with uh, Ruby, mm -hmm. and you could do the same with uh, ceramic, which is just to use ceramic for the inset, which is the, the, yeah. wear, the wear part, and not for the full mm -hmm. body, because a brass uh, is going to be much cheaper, of course, and it's also going to be a better heat conductor, so that, that makes a good compromise between the two materials. Uh, yeah. You have good heat connectivity to to really uh, uh, get your heat into the material and melt it properly, and you'll still have the wear resistance of uh, the ceramic. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Really interesting. That'd be really interesting. And then, what material would we use? Asking for a friend. <laughs> still the <laughs> aluminum, right? Uh, aluminum, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. And and is there a lot of like? Uh, do you also make so technical ceramics? Is or is it also used in? Well, you you, you did mention a little bit of space and all these expanding industries. Yeah. Is it is it also like? Is it used a lot in in like? like is it used also in jewelry? Because we use the other ceramics in jewelry as well. Mm -hmm. But also, is it used in jewelry and watchmaking stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the one ceramic which is used in jewelry and watchmaking is Econia, the one we were talking about. So yes, and we do have a few customers who are, uh, for the moment, just, uh, let's say, playing with the technology to see what they can do with it, but that 
they're certainly looking into it. Uh, there's a few ways you can look into it. The first one, which is obviously they're using it for prototyping, because at the moment, if you take a, a watch, watch case made in ceramic, it's mm -hmm. likely to be made by ceramic injection molding, um, uh, which means uh, this is a very cost efficient process if you're making thousands of parts, but it's a very uh, uh, slow and very expensive process for prototyping because you need, you need uh, well, to buy some, some uh, injection molds. Uh, this okay. is very costly and this takes time. So, using additive manufacturing for the prototyping phase is obvious. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, they're also looking into making on-demand parts, of course, so customized uh, uh, parts with the technology and also making very small series for, you know, uh, uh, collections of a few hundred parts, no more, which is uh, something they're really looking into. So, yeah, there's a, quite a few applications here, but uh, you need to be careful because um, this is an industry, probably one of the toughest industries in terms of quality standards. Mm -hmm. More than space, really. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, working with them is also—it's not great. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, they're very exacting. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they have patents in this area. There's a lot, there's a ton of patents. You know, they're doing some. I've been trying to get these guys to go on the record about what they're doing for years and now now i just made it impossible but anyway. uh, <laughs> and uh and also like i, I saw once and uh, uh we also read somewhere that the, the, the ceramics are being used in fuel cells stuff like that what's that right. you know right so, well <laughs> again we could go into a lot of different applications you have ceramics everywhere actually but but not much people know about it in fuel cells it's used because you need a material that uh, uh, conduct uh, the oxygen ions and uh which can resist quite high heat, especially if you're talking about what you call uh, mm -hmm. solid oxide fuel cells, which are uh, well made with oxides, so that means ceramic at quite high temperature. And again, you find zirconia uh, in, in this application. So I told you zirconia is the number one material uh, in the toolbox, and, and it's here again um, with some more exotic material. But yes, and additive manufacturing would be really nice in that application also because we're talking about uh, parts which have very complex structures, multi-layered. Uh, uh, so additive could be really interesting, but you need to master uh, multi-material uh, printing and sintering. Uh, and that's, that's not an easy feature. Because then the materials would shrink at different rates or something? or what Right, that kind of problem. You have the shrinking rate, you also have the, the behavior when you hit the material, mm -hmm. how is it going to expand and how is it going to contract when you cool it down. If you don't have the same kind of coefficient, you just can't make a material that will have uh, a, a good integrity. So there's, there's a lot of work to make this work. Because how long does it uh, take for this material to, to actually break down once it's like discarded? Ceramics. Yeah, it, it will last forever. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I'm serious. <laughs> you know, when uh, archaeologists look for right, they still uh, find pottery first, exactly. What exactly. are they going to find? They're going to find pottery and a bit of metal, has, sometimes, but metal gets corroded while uh, ceramic just live on forever. It's a, a very durable product. Hmm. Yeah. And then, where do you hope to be in, in like five years with the company, with uh, within the three printing specifically, and their efforts? Well, additive manufacturing is really our um, number one priority at the moment. We see we, we've experienced a strong growth in, in that part uh, recently. Um, what we want to do is really to make ceramic and metal printing mainstream. Uh, 
if I want to make an analogy, I would say uh, what uh, Ultimaker and MakerBot and that those guys did with FDM, we want to do the same thing with ceramic and metal printing. So what we're aiming at is opening a lot of new applications, uh, making this technology affordable to any engineer, uh, uh, any lab technician who needs to print on-demand parts. And that, that's really where we want to go um, for the next years. Well, Guillaume, thank you very much, uh, very much for attending uh, the 3D Pod and participating, and it was it was great to have you on. Yeah, thanks pleasure. for educating us. <laughs> thank you, guys. And, uh, Max, uh, and Max, thank you very much for being here as well. Yeah, always, Joris. Fun. And uh, this was the 3D Pod, and my name is Joris Peels, and thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard, or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.